Hey guys, welcome back. This is the Ungrown Ups, and here we are about to kick off the fourth episode, or as we call it, episode, episode four. I'm Matthew. That's, I'm Ryan. That's Ryan. <laughs> and uh, on today's show, we'll be talking to a, a good buddy named Kevin, who's been overlanding since overlanding wasn't even a thing. Basically, the hipster of overlanding. And you know what? Rather than give you a long intro, we're just going to get right into it. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to episode four of the Ungrownups. This is the fourth episode. Uh, just so that you're uh, clear, this is episode number four. That's after three, before five. Everybody, here we go. Our guest today, today, today. this evening, this afternoon, whatever it is, uh, is Kevin. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Kevin is somebody that I've known for a few years, probably, I guess, six-ish, something like that now. Yeah. And uh, we used to work together. But beyond that, we have a lot of stuff uh, in common as far as interests and things go. So Kevin is uh, a guy that loves all things automotive, I would say. Uh, yeah, that loves ice hockey. Yeah. You know, which is the best. I'm very ungrown up. Yeah, <laughs> is an ungrown up. So, okay, let's start there. What what makes you an ungrown up, Kevin? Uh, so you touched on the love of cars. That is a common theme among ungrown ups. And I feel like, uh, you know, enthusiasts are the loudest, but uh, the fewest in number. So, um when you get people who are writing letters to GM or whoever, you know, bring back the V8 wagon, that's me. <laughs> you're you're the one writing those letters? Bring back the rotary. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Have you written those letters as a kid or as an adult to various companies? Well, I've I've left very long comments on message boards, which in my opinion is almost, almost the, same the same thing. thing. <laughs> yeah, so from, that's that's going to reach somebody. From your mouth to their ears, it's just a straight connection. Pretty much, yeah. So what kind of requests have you made for? Is it like the elusive brown diesel wagon turbo kind of thing? Or is it... Yeah, anything manual. I, I feel like there's just this, this gap in uh, the U.S. automotive market for wagons. We're starting to see them come back. Um, proof of that point, I think, is the rise in SUVs because SUV, an SUV today is just a tall just a wagon. wagon. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it, it does seem like a lot of things are like cyclical. You know, like growing up, the station wagon was what a lot of my friends and I rode in the back of. And when we grew up, we didn't want anything to do with station wagons. And that was kind of around the, the minivan era. So then people went from station wagons to minivans. And those kids that grew up in minivans didn't want to be caught dead driving one. So then they get into the SUVs. Well, nobody so, wants to be caught dead driving a minivan. Right. But I, I, I think it's it's a it's a circle, right? Nobody right. wanted to get caught dead driving in a station wagon, then minivan. Now, pretty soon, I would think that nobody would want to be caught dead driving an SUV. And then it'll come back full circle to the wagon. Well, it's funny that you say the thing about the wagon, right? So when I was a kid, I had several friends, family members, whatever, that had wagons. Specifically one I remember my aunt had a Volvo. I want to say it was a Volvo wagon with the rear-facing seats. That cemented my love of station wagons. Not only were they, I think they're such a cool shape, but I ended up owning several wagons because of that. My it's parents fun. Had, yeah, it's super fun. Right? My parents had a piece of shit Oldsmobile wagon. Ooh. But it was a... It was a, was a brown? It was, yeah. It Road was master. a copper. <laughs> copper, yeah. Piece of shit. The hood weighed like 50,000 pounds yeah. opening it. And my brother and I would sit in the back seat all the time. No seats, just sitting loose in the back. But the best part was it was front bench seat, but it had an armrest that folded down. And as like a five-year-old, you could sit on top of that armrest. Yes. Perfect view out the front windshield. That's so funny. No seatbelt requirements. Right. I mean, the, no the whole seats. fact that we lived and made it to adulthood is was amazing on its own. Well, most of us did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah those that did not really here to complain about that. Wow. <laughs> and on a very morbid <laughs> episode. <laughs> so yeah, the station wagon thing was awesome. Being able to make eye contact with the yeah. driver behind you and tell them to honk their horn or wave at them and have them wave back just made road trips awesome. Yeah, I liked. I mean, I liked that part. But you know, going back to the station wagon thing again, like to me, that backwards facing seat was like a roller coaster. Yeah, because you didn't know yeah. what was coming. Yeah, you had no idea. And then you're watching everything kind of like this weird movie in reverse. Oh, so cool. I loved it. Yeah. My parents had that until I was seven. Then when I was eight, they picked up a conversion van. It was a uh, Dodge Ram van that was uh, converted by a company called Landmark. That was it, their their daily driver? That was the daily driver. It was this conversion van. It wasn't like one of those bubble top vans, but it was a full-size van. It had rear captain seat, yeah. and the rear seat was a bench that folded into a queen bed. Mm. We would fold it into a bed and lay on our backs, staring out through the open windows on the side as we would drive. And it was kind of the same thing. It was, I'm laying down in a car that's going 65 down the highway, and it was one of those things where it's just as a kid that was the sweetest thing ever yeah see now i think manufacturers need to take the eyes and the mind of a child and then build a car 
that way because you're talking about yeah. how much fun yeah. you've had in these things. Yeah. And those those station wagons with the rear facing seats are still on the road. And whenever you pull up behind one as an adult, as a driving adult, and you see kids in the back, oh, total flashback. I'm jealous. They're, they're waving at you. They're yeah. making funny faces, and you're just like, okay, maybe traffic isn't so bad. I'm I am having a good day. It's tragic that it's gone. The te- Model S when Tesla first came out, that was an option to get yeah, rear, rear I think facing it still seats. Is. I just don't know how often it's it's been. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's still an option or not. I but it was an option, and you know, unfortunately, we're in this nanny society now where I don't know that you could get away with a lot of that stuff, right? You know, an RV. I don't know the last time you've been in an RV, but there's novelty to that. I can sit in the back while somebody else is driving yeah. and drink a beer. Or somebody can make a sandwich while, yeah. <laughs> while the RV's yeah. on the road. I mean, I, I want eggs, but I don't want to stop. RV. Growing up as a kid, uh, my parents had a Class C RV. So that's the one where it has the the bed platform over the cab of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and I would climb up to the top in that bed area and lay down staring at the front window like we were Superman. <laughs> you're laying on your stomach looking straight ahead and you're cruising on the highway yeah. from a height of what, 10 feet off the ground? Right. So it was just, again, these these awesome experiences that, to your point, Kevin, is just kids don't really get to do that so much. No, you're propped up in the backseat of an SUV with a belt line that's so high you can't even see out the window, you know, and yeah, it's safer, but I think we all all need that safety. To a certain extent, technology plays a part in that too, because kids these days are staring at their smartphone or their iPad or tablet, and they're just kind of oblivious as to what's going on around them. Right. Whereas back in the 80s and 90s, that didn't exist. So you had to entertain yourself by staring out the window and seeing what was going on around you. So being it waving at people, telling truckers to pull their yeah, air pull horn. Your horn. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think what do you think uh preceded what? Because kids cannot look out the window nowadays. You've got uh privacy glass, you've got the high belt line. So did that drive them to be on their cell phone in the backseat because their imagination was kind of squashed or no, I think because the, the high belt line, that's all design driven, right? And that started well before the cell phone really, it was kind of already on its way before cell phones, and especially now what we have as smartphones started to happen. So I think that maybe it's a combination of the two. I definitely think the the design factor of that started first. And then I, I personally find it to be absolutely tragic that children are on phones and iPads as much as they are. Because yeah, there's a high belt line, but most kids can still see out, right? Once you hit Especially four, if you have a booster so. seat or something like yeah. that anyway. So yeah. Yeah, and a, a car seat's not flush. So I think they can see out. I think they're just, it's easier for people these days, parents to just hand, like I watch yeah. people hand their kid a tablet and just, you know, be quiet. And, yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It's a silencer. In the the late 90s, I was a uh, car stereo installer. So that was right around when rear seat entertainment started becoming a thing. So doing flip down TV screens in in the overhead uh, consoles and stuff. And then the whole point of that was for long road trips. But then it got really kind of disheartening when you saw the kid just going to school in the morning. He's watching cartoons because he can't stay entertained or quiet for that three minute drive from his house to elementary school. I dated a girl. Her parents had a conversion van like you're talking about. It was a Ram Dodge Ram van conversion, but it was a bubble top. And they had a they had a flip down TV in the ceiling with a VHS player, yep. and it nice. was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, we had a our minivan was the the Astro van, the famous yeah. oh, yeah. Astro van, yeah. and uh, that had the window that you could kind of uh, angle out, but it, it you know it didn't open enough for yeah. for a kid or a dog to fall out of it. But I remember that being like below elbow height, so it kind of like trained me to put my arm outside the window and just like <laughs> early feel, trucker training. Feel or the brace. Yeah, my left arm is a lot tanner than my right. right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just remember all these stories and memories. Like my mom had a, a Previa yep. uh, growing up. So yeah, the, we had one. The, yeah, the neighbors before that had the uh, we call the space shuttle, the the Toyota minivan. That one was fun because after a couple of years, the shocks had blown. So when you hit a dip, you could actually feel like the front end was getting off the ground. It probably was. It probably was. Yeah. But just all and that one had the refrigerator in the center console. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it had an ice yeah. maker. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, minivans were awesome, but I didn't want one as an adult. Like when I was on my way to becoming a parent and we had a kid on the way, we went out and bought a crappy CUV just because we wanted something that had more cargo space, but we didn't need the minivan just because we were only having one kid. So we we ended up going with a, a really shitty Nissan Rogue. We wasn't shitty until after we owned it for a couple mm-hmm. of years. But the thing was, we went into it knowing it was going to be disposal. We didn't care about it. We weren't right. attached to it. Looking back on it, like for my son's sake, I don't think he's going to have any memories of, oh, how awesome that rogue was when we went on that road trip. Well, I so first off, I might be the only kid that parents never had a minivan at, at any point, which I'm thankful for. 
I don't think that the cars these days are memorable enough like they were when we were kids. No, they're for, boring. Yeah, for, for that to stick. I mean, I'm yeah. sure, okay, if your parents, maybe they have like a, a Porsche SUV or something, right? Maybe there's some memory there, something cool. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think a lot of the stuff that people drive today just doesn't have that same that same memory. You're going to get the memory of the experience less than the, the vehicle itself. Nobody's going to go, oh, man, I really remember the center console armrest in the rear had an extra cup holder piece. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. It, was the, it was the particulars. You know, my, yeah. my parents had a Previa after that Astro because it was such crap. It broke down in like five <laughs> years. Uh, actually, I think we leased that thing, which was you know, unheard oh, of. Man, they yeah. saw they saw us coming, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a gold one, and that thing was uh, rock solid. We nicknamed it the Golden Egg. Ooh. I ended up uh, inheriting that as my first car, yeah. and I loved it. You could pack about fourteen people in there oh, yeah. to go the, to Taco the, Bell uh, with the fold up seats in the rear. Oh you yeah, need a third row. You could fold them up against the side, so you had all that cargo area. That was. Some pretty smart engineering in that Previa. My uh, so my good friend in high school, his dad worked for Calti, which okay. was yeah, the, uh, the Toyota Design Center in Newport Beach. He designed those. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I didn't know that when I had the vehicle, and then I met him later in life, and he's like, "Yeah, I designed those." And I was like, "Tell him good job. Those were freaking." So your first car was a gold Previa. Oh. The golden egg. So yeah. that'll probably uh, explain everything else we talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're right. So you were traumatized early. That's what you're saying. You're, you're sending letters or, or messages to corporate people going, hey, we need this. Bring need back this, the golden the egg. Yeah, yeah. So, so in, in what other ways besides your, your vehicle rants to corporate are you an ungrown up? Outside of automobiles. Uh, okay, before we depart from the automobiles. <laughs> uh, uh, I like, we have a guest that's controlling the show, bringing us uh, back on the topic, <laughs> and that's probably what we need. Yeah. Uh, which is very anti-ungrown. No, it's perfect. Uh, I'm really into overlanding uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, back when we started, it wasn't even called overlanding. In fact, now that it's gained popularity, uh, I probably need to find a new hobby. But, <laughs> or a new name for but, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, That's a very hipster thing to say. What? Overlanding? No, there's, you know, to, well, now I, that oh, it's I popular. Need, I, I liked it yeah. before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did, but it wasn't cool the way we were doing it. It was literally taking a, a truck out into the forest and sleeping in the bed. Right. That was the extent of it. And if something broke, you know, you limped it back to the road and you fixed it there. You didn't go with an axe and then spare fuel and Instagram spare tires. And, mm. <laughs> yeah, things Instagram. like that. <laughs> well, you need those to go overlanding these days. Well, you do. Yeah, yeah. No, you, t- you took it with your disposable camera. And if they give you a digital copy, maybe you would post it to you know your website. But You put it on, uh, uh, oh God, my GeoCities. My yeah, GeoCities. Yeah. With all the, the sparklies. <laughs> my off-roading trip. <laughs> With awesome background music. Yeah, in yeah. Comic Sans, fluorescent mm-hmm. green text. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, Ryan, it's, it goes back to something uh, I think you brought up in episode zero. You you need to go out and find things to do where, you know, small tragedies will happen. Yeah. Because if everything goes smoothly, it's not a memorable trip. You know, uh, thinking back on some of the, the greatest adventures and the greatest stories in your life. You don't remember how terrible it was, even though you remember it was terrible in the moment. Oh, your, sure. your brain kind of just scrubs the memories and just be like, yeah, it was freezing that day. It was raining, but you don't you don't feel the pain of it. Right. You still need to go out and do that sort of thing. If something breaks, that's the best story there is, is, is you overcoming that obstacle you're going to make it. Yeah. And that's what I, what I specifically was saying. Well, I guess the way I, I say it is that, yeah, adventure doesn't really begin until something, something goes, goes wrong. wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent true. Like, you know, that's what makes these trips so interesting and memorable. And, you know, I don't know that th- there's a lot of stuff that led up to this, but you know, as an example, I found myself on the side of a highway in Alaska, helping a guy change a chain on a KLR that added something to that trip where if it was just, you know, it's like going to the grocery store. That's not interesting. Yeah, or it's just so routine. Yeah. But right, but if you're going to the grocery store and it takes you six hours to get there and, and you've got to fight a, a lion. homeless man or something. Or, yeah. or yeah, naked homeless man. I it hope happens. not. It happens. <laughs> it happened to my neighbor. That's why I bring that up. I want to know more about that, but not right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's totally true. And you, I think you need to put yourself in those situations. And so what you're talking about with like that old school overlanding or whatever you want to call it, just old school truck camping, whatever, yeah. exploration, you were constantly putting yourself in that situation, right? Or you're right. constantly saying, hey, I'm in this place and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, most of it was out of ignorance. I did not know what could happen until it happened. And then I thought, right. maybe I should bring a spare tire next time. Because... <laughs> 
<laughs> because these things happen. On these overlanding adventures, what was the most screwed you've been in hindsight without really realizing it in the moment? Um, so the first thing that comes to mind, this was just a day trip. There were three trucks. We were going out shooting in, in the desert in, uh, you know, Palm Desert, kind of like yeah. northeast of Palm Desert. You go off the tarmac, it becomes a dirt road. And after a dirt road, it becomes kind of like, you know, make your own way on BLM land. I was in my 96 Forerunner. Uh, the four-wheel drive did not work, by the way. It didn't work for the most of the time that I owned that thing. There was also a, a Dodge 1500 and then uh, a Toyota Tundra. So we're on a fire road for a little while. Then there's a washed out dry creek bed. So that was the biggest challenge. There's just soft sand in the middle of it. Um, there's kind of cliffs on both sides, but there's clearly a way that people had paved through it like, you know, like it previously had been a uh, fording mm -hmm. point. So we go through that. Um, it was rough on all the trucks, but we made it through. We went, made it about half a mile. And I look in the rearview mirror. Uh, I was basically leading the the caravan. I look in the rearview mirror and I see that the Dodge's wheel is like at a forty five degree angle pointed <laughs> oh. in. So I stop and and so, so I what go you're back. saying that's not normal. That's not normal. Got it. Not at all. Okay. Uh, apparently the the driver thought it was normal because he didn't think anything was wrong. Uh, I pull up next to him. I go, step out here for a second. Uh, he steps out. He looks at it and he's like, yeah, that's not right. So we get a flashlight in it and we're like, well, you've broken your upper ball joint. This is a this is a deal breaker. Basically, we got Olympia back to the road, which thankfully it was only about two miles in. He reversed the whole way oh. up until we got to the up until we got to the uh, that dry riverbed and was just stuck. Absolutely stuck. We tried going back and forth. We tried towing from the front towing from the rear, using other trucks to get him through. It started to get dark. We were kind of like, well, a, a tow truck won't come out here, right? We're like a mile in oh, they will. to the desert. Yeah, yeah they will. Very, for very high fee. fee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we were all poor at the time. So even with uh, all our pennies scrounged together, they we couldn't we couldn't do it. Yeah. We, uh, we said, let's keep going. Uh, so basically what it took was us digging with our hands uh, a path out of that dry creek bed, going back and forth, and it probably Ooh. took... Four hours all in so all. So what was getting stuck? Was it just the fact that the front wheel was askew and wasn't tracking straight that was stranding you guys? Or was it literally you guys were getting high centered? Or just... Yeah, he was getting high centered. So he, because the front end had dropped without that front ball uh, joint, uh, we were getting high centered on that. So once that would happen, someone would have to go under the car and dig out the sand, dig out the dirt. Oh, we didn't God. have any tools except our guns and we weren't going to be able to shoot no our shot. way out. <laughs> 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 shoot your way out of it. No day. one wanted to volunteer their browning as a sure <laughs> as a shovel. As a shovel. As a shovel. Yeah. Weirdly enough, so uh, yeah, we just went back and forth. Uh, someone was filming the whole time, thankfully. But finally, we got him into the road. He got towed back, and we all pitched in and fixed that for him. But that was really like a point of no hope. We're like, you know what, this thing is only worth a couple grand. Why don't you just, just leave, leave it, it here? Say <laughs> something stole it. Which one are we going to eat first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No. Start trying to figure out how to make a fire. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't that desperate. Um, one of us actually went to uh, a Walmart, bought a toe strap, and brought it back. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's how unprepared we were. We didn't have a, a toe <laughs> strap to speak of. But that was one of the lowest points of desperation. But, you know, we made it through. It's just in the moment, you think there's no options here. Right. Yeah, what so, are we going to do? So then you are thinking, like, should I leave them? <laughs> or should, should I... Should I, uh, you know, try and stick this out with them? Pull the top gear. My vehicle works. Yep. Yep. We do leave a man behind. This yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I've been in situations like that where it's not until later you realize like, oh, I probably should take all of this stuff with me or I should have had all of these things with me. And, you know, similar situation. We went up to the top of, well, not similar, but we went up to the top one night, in the middle of the night, went up to Saddleback. I was with a buddy, rental truck. We didn't know that it didn't have a spare tire or a jack or anything the rest of it. we had no clue we got to the top and it was winter so there's you know the streams you're fording the streams doing the whole rest of it. it's not deep or anything but it still takes time to get up there so we get up there and we hear i'm like uh do you hear that he's like yeah is it I'm probably just the wind <laughs> yeah. right and then i start to notice the back of the truck is starting to sag I'm like we need to go now so we ended up having to limp this thing all the way to the road which took us about four hours. We didn't realize that there was no spare tire and stuff till we looked. He ended up calling his ex-girlfriend in the middle of the night, waking her up and sending her to go buy a tire iron and a jack. It was it was rough. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we were both in the same truck, so I couldn't just leave or I would have. <laughs> see, and you lived. 
I did right? laugh. And how yeah. good of a story is that? It's not a great story, if I'm <laughs> honest with you. Yeah, as a listener, I'm like, it's not a great story. But. Well, the story might be okay. How about this? It's not a well-told story. How That's long right. ago was this? Because, I mean, it wasn't. It doesn't seem like spare tires were optional until no, so it was, somewhat it, recently. But it was a rental truck. Like so a U-Haul kind of thing? Or? Not you. I don't know where he rented the yeah. thing. And I don't even remember why it was a rental truck. And I don't know why we just didn't take my truck, which had all of the stuff that I would need. But... Uh, it was a rental truck, and so whoever had rented it at some point stole everything. Oh, good right. Times. So yeah, I think that actually, I think the spare was there, but we couldn't get it down. So because none of the oh. tools were there, something like that. Anyways, uh, yeah, his his ex girlfriend, and it was his ex girlfriend at the time. Right. She was. What they get back together? No. No, she, but they were already probably on oh, bad terms. I, oh God, they were on terrible terms, and she actually showed up. And I think she told him something like she wouldn't have done it if he was alone. Oh, so she she liked wouldn't you. have done it if right. he was alone. Right. Ish. Let him die. <laughs> yeah. But not Ryan. No, I'm a. Nobody wants me to die. <laughs> so, if it was a rental truck, you guys should have been fine because the number one thing you need to look for in one of these off-roading vehicles is how little you care about it. Yeah, yeah. Rental trucks are invincible. No, sure. Yeah, they're but, the fastest. But when you flying. <laughs> believe me, as someone that has. I think I'm on statute of limitations. Probably fine. As someone that has rented rallycross cars, <laughs> I I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. I have buddies that own the domain name rentalcross.com, and all they would do is take rental cars and they would jump them off parking decks and stuff, going through parking structures. That's a little extreme. Or putting two wheels on the center median, going down the highway and oh. coming off. We did escort rental car in uh, in Seattle once, and we built hand handmade paper Cosworth badges for it. <laughs> so it was our, our little Cosworth, and that thing, the when we took it back, the handbrake was gone. The tires were flat spotted. That thing was it was a proper little basically. Little, little the car. biggest lesson is if you ever see one of those Hertz rental cars, do not sales, buy. Do not, do not buy, buy a former no. rental car. Absolutely not. I probably rented it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so think about that next time you walk out. Right. And it may not be me, but somebody basically like Yeah, me. and then grown up like us right. has possibly rented that car. Yeah. You know what's funny? My parents have bought four X Enterprise rental cars. Oh my god. That is how, they, you know what they've been fine. How have you type. not talked them out of it? Uh you know, they just show up and they're like, Here's my new gold oh Murano. Gold Murano. <laughs> <laughs> Convertible cross cabriolet. This is oh. this is the S package. Oh my god! Ooh. Could you pick yeah. a worse car? Uh, she doesn't have any more. <laughs> <laughs> she has a white one now. Oh well, you know what? Uh, I'm sure it's it gets her where she needs to go. Yeah, no, like I said, they've been decent. It's yeah. just uh, you know you're just waiting for that moment when the engine just falls out and you don't know why. It's hard for me being being a car person when you see people buy most cars. Yeah, yeah. You, you because, question why they made that decision, yeah, or what lack of decision went into making that purchase, I guess. And you gotta go. You know what? It's not my car. Good for you. Yeah. You know why it is? It's because people look at the world through grown-up eyes. They look at it like a Nissan Sentra in gray, and they say that's a practical vehicle. What does a car need to be? It needs to get me from A to B. Yeah, most people we don't, don't care. Look, we don't look at the world that way. Well, I don't. I don't think most people even like driving. No. Right. And, and to be fair, driving has become less and less fun to do. Uh, on a regular road, for on sure. A reg- well, on a commute, for yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Even even so, my mom has a Tesla. She has a Model X. And I've done autopilot. And I am more stressed out oh. when I reach my <laughs> destination than if i just driven like a normal person. Yeah, because yeah, you're sitting there with your foot hovering the brake. Your oh, hands I'm, are about I'm to freaking grab the wheel. Out. Just wait yeah. to take over in case you need to. And it drives like a drunk toddler. Oh like, yeah, it ping pongs <laughs> off the line. Exactly, yeah. and the whole time you're like, "I'm gonna hit this car. I'm gonna hit that car." Like it's it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, the car itself mm-hmm. is fun. It's well, the car, the acceleration of the vehicle is fun. Yeah. Now there's a minivan I could get behind, like an electric one. Yeah. Or you or yeah. Or yeah. you consider the Model X to be a minivan because it well, looks both. like it's it's not really on. an SUV. It's got no. sliding doors. They go up, you know, yeah. instead well, of back. They're Falcon wings. Uh, okay, yeah. good for them. And they flap. <laughs> yeah, the Model X looks like a Model S that somebody overinflated. And then yeah. I've seen pictures of the Model Y that have just come out because they're now testing on roads. And it looks like an overinflated Model 3. Yeah. So it's it basically looks like the same length. It's just the height. The roof is just kind of bubbled up to add to that cargo area and to add room for the larger cargo space in the back. But they're not attractive looking vehicles. I think the S is the only nice looking car yeah, they the make S in is, my opinion. It is decent looking. The, the front's a little weird. The grill's not great. 
the rest of it, at least it looks like a normal sedan. And it's not like I'm a, a Leaf or a, what was that other dumb electric car that looked ridiculous yeah there's you know there's all these ones coming out too they're just they look why can't you just make it look like a regular car because they're looking for that conspicuous consumption statement thing like look at me i care about the environment i bought this car right but that is exactly why people Mm. may not want to buy that and the the people that do end up buying them get the personalized plates because Right? Exactly. Oh yeah. man, fantastic! Sorry, sorry, everyone out there looking to buy an electric car. I've seen yeah. zero emissions already taken. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sorry. One. I look. I would. I would drive an electric car. I, in fact, have kind of this nerdy love affair with Rivian. Like I am enamored. Uh, the SUV is one of the best looking electric cars that's going to come out. Think it's amazing. I might have a deposit on one. So I think it's just it, it's rad, but at least it looks normal. And it's kind of, you know, they're they're doing some amazing things with the four motors and all this stuff. And, and I, I think it's really cool. I have no nothing against electric cars. What my problem is, is most of the people that own them. Yeah. 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 It is kind of thing. It's the same thing with cars in general. Like certain cars you may appreciate, but you can't stand the owners. Right. So like me, I, I always talk about my, my car audio installation career and stuff, but the biggest pricks that I had to deal with, there were two Corvette owners and Porsche owners. And with the Porsche owners, it was the guys that bought the 914 that, yeah. you know, <laughs> have you ever worked on a Porsche before? I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, and I've, I've worked on these things. And you're talking about it. I'm like, all right, let me go see the car. And then you walk out to the car and you realize it's not even a real Porsche. No. It's a 914. You're like, all right. And then the Corvette. <laughs> yeah. Got- Why do you ask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was always, those were the guys that this was their dream car or whatever. And of course, it's never the original owner that is the prick. It's always the guy that buys it used, used and it's like his whole world and everything is tied up into that vehicle. And you're like, your car is cool, but you're a dick. You know, as a former Corvette owner, I take offense. What'd you own? A 76 Stingray. Worst to be car. Fair, to be fair, you're not the typical Corvette <laughs> no. owner. I also had it in high school. I didn't really, well, I wasn't the official owner. It was my dad's car, but I drove it 100% of the time. Uh, senior you- year in high school and it was probably one of the worst cars ever. Did you wear jorts no, when you were in high school? No. I don't. <laughs> I don't like what you're insinuating. Gold chain. No. <laughs> what I thought they come with a car. One pretty rad thing though about having you know a Corvette in high school is that I could always just people you know always in high school people trying to bum rides whenever I would just throw my backpack in the, the passenger seat like oh sorry no room can't take you anywhere There's room in the trunk no trunk that it was a it was a liftback right no uh yeah no you're right it was but it had the no it wasn't it wasn't it was a flat window yeah. And then it had uh, it had a small trunk, but it was one of the cars with just a little bit of room behind the seats for the T-tops. Yeah, Corvettes don't have liftbacks, do they? Or a lot of them don't, which no. is very unusual. It was it was cool. I mean, like it's a the that year was one of the first years they started messing with emissions. It was a three fifty two barrel with like eight horsepower. It was terrible, <laughs> but the looks of the car itself is a gorgeous car. It's a beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. car. The yeah. curves on it are quite yeah, nice. Yeah, I but... love those big fenders and like, you know, pretty neat looking car. But then um, you close the door on it and you just everything rattle. Yeah, it was not That awesome. was a patented GM thing. It wasn't. Don't blame the Corvette alone for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, again, working on those cars from the 80s and stuff, it was just amazing. The difference in working on an American car and then a Japanese car from that same era. Like an American car, you'd have some Phillips screws, you'd have some Torx, you'd have some 7 mils, some 516s, you'd have all these different hardware. And then to take apart a Japanese car, all you needed was an 8 millimeter or a 10 millimeter, and you could have the whole car disassembled. And it was always interesting, to, the pain in the ass domestic factor that yeah. was involved. I still don't like working on standard stuff anymore. Standards stuff well imperial oh. Impe- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. three eighths fractional i look yeah. at it and i you know with a, a metric bolt i can look at it grab the right socket 90 percent of the time i'm pretty good at that but i look at a, a mary i'm like i don't know yeah and seven trips yeah. later yeah most american manufacturers have gone full metric on the on the measurements well, you know you sense. don't even really need to buy one right i I, set. I still have a set i don't know what i'm why? Let's just put it in my toolbox. You never throw a tool away. No. You, you don't you know when you need it. Yeah. I have an old timing light if anybody needs one. <laughs> I've got, I, I have an old air wrench that doesn't work anymore <laughs> that I convinced myself I was going to rebuild one day and uh, just never got around to it. They're easy to do. I bought a I bought an old uh, Ingersoll Rand from Sears uh, when I first became a mechanic in 2001. I've rebuilt it three times and it's still purring like a kitten. I think it was 150 bucks. Yeah. It's pretty surprising how expensive they are. I do yeah. have a pretty funny tool story, actually, uh, as long as we're talking about this. Let's hear your quick. tool story. I have an electric torque wrench. I have one of those digital torque yeah. wrenches, which in retrospect is a dumb purchase. 
But it looks cool. Because the batteries die on them. For a dollar at Harbor Freight. Well, and the batteries die on them, right? So not too long ago, I uh, had to to redo the front end on the dirt bikes. I loosened everything up, go to torque everything down. Torque wrench is dead. Replace the batteries, dead. Replace the batteries, dead. I'm convinced every battery in my house is dead. Finally, I start looking up online, like maybe there's something wrong with it. The circuit boards sometimes get a little wonky and you need to clean some stuff. I take the thing apart and go to clean the circuit boards and I realize, that's weird. The battery chamber is way deeper than two double A's. (laughs) So something's wrong. There was a third battery (laughs) that I just flat didn't even realize was in there and kind of gave it a little bump. Battery fell out, put new batteries in it, works great. And then when you went to put it back together, you were missing parts. And no, no. But I don't know if that's a funny tool story or a haha, I'm an idiot story. But either uh, way. You're a tool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a combo. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move off this topic because it's making me sad. Oh. Well, I don't like making fun of myself all the time. Um, what else, Kevin? What, what else do you like that makes you ungrown up like what's something that keeps you young or young feeling i guess sports um in general hockey's the only one that kind of keeps my interest throughout uh, yeah. the ages as I'm a, a, i was gonna say as a player or as a spectator well both i do i do play uh in a beer league once a week just to keep you fit and keep you grounded and have some sort of team camaraderie going on the beer will do that uh, right? <laughs> well that's your reward for winning or it's you know to you're too keep you, for losing <laughs> well no it, it picks you up when you're when you've lost and uh, I, I played a roller hockey team in uh in the bay area and we drank first. Well, well some people yeah. do that. Yeah. But you know, one or two just to get you ready. Are I'm you not ice or roller? Ice. Used to play roller. So, um, yeah, I'm bad enough. I don't need to have beer to screw up uh, anything before the game. They're going to be like, why is that guy falling over so much? <laughs> I don't know. Smell his breath. Um, <laughs> but yeah, football doesn't really... I, I do like football, and I think it should be America's pastime. Uh, we can talk about everything that's wrong with baseball. No, <laughs> we're not going to get into this. because yeah, I'm a casual sports fan, so I mean, I, I enjoy watching these events, but I don't care enough that my life revolves around it. I played sports, I watch it on TV, but if I've got something better to do, I'm doing that rather than staying home to watch the game because I can't miss my team or whatever it is. Yeah, I'd rather play anything than watch anything. But I'm a huge, huge, huge NHL fan, and I normally probably wouldn't be sitting here right now because I'd be watching the game. Unfortunately, the teams that I follow <laughs> are <clears throat> having some really challenging times uh, this this season. So I've just kind of I'll watch box scores and look later. It's just too painful. So you're a multiple team fan. I am. Do you do like yeah. fantasy hockey? I don't. I do have a friend that wanted me to play fantasy hockey and I don't, it's too much. I mean, there's, there's multiple games setting online. I just can't do it. I did no. fantasy football for a, a season, I guess. Yeah. And it was interesting because I'd never done it before and everybody was talking about how it is and doing it, it did make me watch the game and watch right. more games than I would have otherwise, just because you want to see how your, your players are doing. But it wasn't an experience I needed <laughs> No, fantasy keeps you interested in the game. And I I do do a a football fantasy just so I can keep over the water cooler talk at work. But you can't do fantasy with hockey if you have any sort of life because the games are ongoing. Well, yeah, there's a hundred and how many games in a season? Well, there's 82 games a season, but it's like all the time. And then you've got all those teams, all those players. You're trying to keep track of who's playing, who's not. It yeah, just it trades. just seems overwhelming. And for me, I'll watch any hockey game that's on anyways, so I don't need you know an excuse. But it's just been really painful. I've had a lot of other stuff. That's my excuse uh, going <laughs> on. And I don't have, since I don't have like regular cable or anything, I have to get the NHL package, and it's not cheap. So I saved myself some money this year. Everything's going the sub- subscription route. Right. So it's like, well, am I... Am I that avid of a watcher? If I'm not and I miss one, then, well, that was like four bucks. Yeah, right I mean, I, I'm okay. You know, normally, like, if I pay for it, it'll be on all the time. So it's not not too bad. But And the, and the only team around here that they black out is the Ducks, and nobody cares. They black out the Ducks? Yeah, so when you buy NHL, because it's on local TV, if you're streaming, they won't uh, let you watch the local team. So you either have to proxy server. I think blackout rules for viewing is the dumbest thing. It's stupid. Because, I mean, yeah, if the game's not sold out, I'm still not going to go buy a ticket to go watch it in person. So you're losing out on this opportunity for other people to watch the game. Being in Southern California, the challenge is there's so much shit you can possibly do besides being at a sporting event. Even with popular teams or whatever, stuff doesn't always sell out. No, but I I do love going to a hockey game. I I love going in person. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy hockey much more in person than I do on TV. I've had season tickets to... Multiple teams, uh, multiple hockey teams, and and I I would get season tickets to the Ducks again since that's the local team here. If I had somebody to go in with that 
you know, what's oh, as interesting. Yeah. We can split it properly. Um, it's just, it's hard to go to every game. You go to 41 games, not counting preseason, and you figure you have two beers at 16 bucks a piece. It just gets very expensive. I think it's like 20 fast. now. Oh, good. <laughs> or 19. Yeah. yeah, nice. So it's even more expensive, but it, it's hard, you know. But anyway, I do love, like, I think hockey game stuff, what's cool, I, I got to take both my niece and nephew, uh, my one sister's children, to their first hockey games, which is awesome um, to see them be really excited and, and you know, find that to be cool to go to is rad. I love playing. I mean, I'm that weird kid, kind of like you from Southern California, that grew up playing hockey rather than, I played baseball and football, but hockey was always the, the game that I really enjoyed. So I was, the, go ahead. I was gonna say the guys you play with in the beer league are these just random dudes you've found in the league, or are these guys that are also into overlanding, or is it just a motley crew? So the common thread on this, they the majority of these players used to be employed by Mazda. It was kind of the Mazda team, and, mm. and at first it was called Mazda Speed. That was the team name. So it's kind of cool to get together with guys after work. Um, it's been around for years, and. You know, we've just picked up some, you know, people have come and gone. Um, we got a, quite a few people from Blizzard. Blizzard is also a, an Irvine company. So, yeah, it's like half Blizzard. And Blizzard does have their own team that got derivative as well. Um, now there's only about three Mazda employees on the team. But it, now it's called Mazda 787B after the Le Mans winner. <sighs> and the jerseys are the, the, the livery of the car. Yeah. So it's it, it's pretty fun. That's a It's a little groan worthy to me. <laughs> Why? Because I just they're out. It was twenty six years ago. I know, yeah, but they were still so, I know. So what? They're would, would they're you, orange and green. That is pretty jerseys. Would you rather have them wear like World of Warcraft jerseys <laughs> or something? Yeah, maybe. No, but no. no, we're all just out there to have fun. For the most part, the guys are uh, the guys you play against are gentlemen, and you know, even though we're we're playing pretty hard against each other during the game, everyone says good game afterwards, and yeah, can be fun. civil. We're all a bunch of. 30, 40 year olds out on the ice with back problems. You know, no one's taking it so <laughs> no one's taking it so seriously. If someone falls down, it's like, yeah, I'll help them back up. Even and if now they're not on the team. We're at the very mature part of yeah. our own grown up show. I gotta go to work yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your mortality reminder. Yeah, we, we are no longer ungrown ups. We're now just sad old men. And it takes a week to heal everything. Just <laughs> <laughs> in time for the next game. <laughs> So do you guys just meet up once a week? Is it just games only, or do you, is there a practice midweek kind of thing? Or no, no practice. That's too serious. I would like to practice, but uh, no, you, play you, you kind of just play as you go. Yeah, you got to play pickup to practice. Yeah, and that gets expensive. It gets very expensive, especially uh, with ice. The nice thing about roller was it's fairly inexpensive, but ice. I mean, ice time is crazy expensive. It's why adult leagues are always at night. Like the last adult league I played, ice two o'clock in the morning games. It was ridiculous. Yeah, we did used to play roller a lot, but um, you know, with the cheap you get the riffraff as well and you just feel like the sportsmanship was what's the major cost savings with roller hockey is it just because the venue is cheaper because you're not paying yeah, to be on no the ice? yeah and there's like zero demand so it's like 300 a season less because so, i was gonna say you're buying all the same pads gear most most uh, of the gear yeah. is the same there's a few little differences i mean pants and some of the pads but the biggest thing is that you have ice maintenance. You have to build ice. You have to, yeah. you know, you got to say, that's what it costs. Yeah. Right. So all that costs. Whereas you throw down some sport court and get some stoner to be the, the ref. And it's you know <laughs> not that, not that big of a deal. Yeah. They, they still save money on refs at the, uh, at the ice oh, yeah? place, but that's good. But uh, yeah, you got to keep the ice ice 24 right. seven. So even when the place is closed, you've got the refrigerators going. Or, right. For some reason, like I, I have friends that, that play both ice and roller hockey, but the thing that I'm more surprised to see is roller bladers just out what in public that mean? just out in public yeah, yeah. driving down the road because i mean <laughs> i grew up in the 90s so roller blades were huge everybody yeah. had them everybody's doing that. that's oh yeah that's where i learned how to play roller hockey in the streets with the the balls and that was a major thing and also it just kind of disappeared to a certain extent like i mean I, 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 I think you're right i think it went it definitely slowed down took a back seat for a while i do see a lot of people like on the boardwalk right a lot of people yeah. riding their roller blades if you go down to the beach or yeah. roller skates. Roller skates made a huge yeah. comeback. That's yeah, weird. I, I'm seeing more skates than I am blades. Yeah. And that's what trips me out is just because of the fact that like, I, I have some friends that are, I guess they would consider semi-professional rollerbladers. I mean, they're going to skate parks and doing all sorts of crazy shit on blades and they're touring the world mm -hmm. doing this type of stuff. But then in Southern California, I drive down the street and I think I've seen one or two rollerbladers on the sidewalk in the past three, four years. I'd say a lot at the border. Like, if we're going by the beach. Yeah, by the beach, I guess that makes sense. So, I since we're talking about this and just this is something that I think I'm going to bring up because I can. That's my fucking show. Uh, but, or it's our show. That yeah, was rude. Whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck I see man. how it is. <laughs> Why don't you arm wrestling for it? Yeah, right. So uh, something that if you get a chance to do, go to a roller derby event. 
Oh yeah. It is yeah. freaking awesome. I don't know if you've ever been. Um, I was dating this girl at the time. She said, Oh, I found this thing in, in San Francisco. Let's go. And I looked, I was like, eh, but ended up having an absolute riot. It is so much fun. It, it's just such a great event. Everybody's super cool. You grab a beer, you watch people. I don't even know how the game works. They just go in circles and people beat each other up or something like that. Yeah, it's I don't great. know how it works. Yeah. I have no idea. My but wife's my wife's best friend still does roller derby to this day. Really? And that is like yeah, she's been doing it for like twenty years. That's awesome. Uh, we went to one of her game, one of her games. She lives in San Diego. Uh, we go to like the gutter of Gas Lamp District, where there's just you know brick buildings and, yep. and blown out windows and. Things it was just like in that. a random warehouse. It was in a random warehouse. Same upstairs. thing. Stairs. So it's like all musty <laughs> cool. and like low ceiling and like you know flickering lights the whole bit. And you just walk down this hallway, you open the door, and then there's like 300 people watching this and cheering these things. Well, the, the one that we went to in San Francisco was on one of the piers and not a pier where you would ever go to. So it's in this warehouse on a pier. Same deal. You walk in. There's like 300 people. They had vendors. I think they had two court, like two, I don't know what you call it, a court track? Uh, track. track. Probably yeah. a track. Two track. It was freaking cool, man. It was so much fun. Those chicks are badass. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I've seen... Plenty of, of video clips of stuff of them just ramming into each other, shoving them aside, and just yeah. how brutal that can be. But I, I have yet to witness that in person. You got to go. It's way worth it. And that's one of those things I feel like, you know, an ungrown up would go to. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's not a bunch of people elbowing each other in the face. I don't even know what the rules are. Yeah, just, the, there probably aren't any rules, I'm sure. No, there's rules. One of the girls has, you know, a star on the back of her helmet. I think she's like, don't try point. to explain it like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Listen, if you, yeah, if you're listening, someone if, just threw the radio out. <laughs> yeah. This guy doesn't yeah. know what he's talking Listen, about. Listen, if you're, if you are a roller derby person and you play roller derby and you're listening, I don't know why you would be listening to us, but let's just say you are and you want to come on and tell us how the whole thing works. Please let us know. Uh, ungrownups at ungrownups.com. That'd be actually rad. And you wouldn't be a guest that hopefully we don't know. Yeah. Like everybody else. Make a new friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what else you got? What else makes you happy? Well, I feel obligated to bring up my Lego past. Well, you should, because well, I'll be honest with you. We didn't really get to talk about Lego the last episode, uh, except I think on a break. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to itch a little bit. Okay. So I brought in, uh, so I don't, I'll full disclosure. I don't play with Lego now. It's, it's kind of gone too expensive for me and I, I can't That's sustain fair. it as a hobby, but I do love Lego and I grew up with Lego. It was, it was on the top of the Christmas list every year. Dug up one of my old bins and I found this little piece. So I actually yeah. recognize this piece. Yeah. You out there in Radio Land can't see it, but what it is, is a fuel tanker from the Octan series. And what Octan was, was the, the unlicensed kind of, you know, Lego made it up uh, fuel sponsor of their race cars. Uh, so this was part of a bigger set where you had race cars, you had like grandstands and you had kind of this runway. Um, they didn't give you quite enough track to make a full race course. Uh, so I ended up combining it with the air airport set that nice. I had. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the races that we held in my imagination were just phenomenal. You shouldn't have been there. But the, the thing I like about this is, with all Lego, the attention to detail and the realism. For one thing, it's a semi-truck, so it articulates on the axle. The other yeah. thing is, it doesn't have suspension, but the axles articulate oh, themselves. Tilts. Yeah, that's cool. So as you're driving, you can rock this thing down the way, and when it stops, you know this thing has air brakes, so you can just go... <laughs> <laughs> so the possibilities with just this one you know, ancillary piece of this kit are endless and so, I, it, so you guys can't see this and you guys and gals can't see this but he's actually pushing it along the table <laughs> and making the little motions and, and this is this is amazing because this is what we've all done oh yeah whether it's legos or hot wheels or or anything like that this is what we've all done with our cars or our legos or anything our, right wheels, yeah yeah it's so cool I mean, you sit there and you you know how the whole thing you know you know it has air brakes and it makes this noise and like that's that's so much fun. I love that you brought a prop. Yeah. By the way. So do you have this in storage because you're waiting to hand it down to your kids or is this just waiting for you to play with at some point later on? You know, I, I don't think I'm going to play with it later on. Uh, I definitely will hand it down to my kids, but it's still going to sit up there collecting dust in the meantime because it's too valuable to throw away. Now, I'm the least sentimental person. I look at like my prom pictures and I'm like, why are we still holding on to these? Shred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is it on the wall? In the right. <laughs> You're married. <laughs> 
do you keep that in your wallet, honey? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no. But that, you know, I come across the stuff when we do spring cleaning, and I'm like, I don't need to hold on to this anymore. Yeah. It's different with Lego. Uh, it, it's just too valuable to throw away. Well, I, I think, think it's, it's the value. I think it's well, it's not the sell. monetary value. It's it's the sentimental. Yeah, the sentimental value. I mean, that's I I oh, man. I there are a couple pieces that I've given away or was like, I'm tired of moving these around, and I wish that I hadn't because of that. It's not what it was. It was what it represented. Well, and I think to to the mention of the prom pictures prom was one night right. right so you may have memories of that one night but with legos there's you could have many memories of that same set in all those different times you've played with it or the different people you played with it or how you transformed what used to be a oiler tanker truck set into some airport runway truck thing or whatever because of that there's just so many more interactions with it it does have more sentimentality to it, but the fact yeah. that you could still use it, you can still play with it, you can still transform it into something else. You know? Yeah, it and never it, stops being something you can mess with. And I think never, my, ever. My, right. my favorite part about this is it's got labels on it, but not nearly as many as some of the current Some of the current too. ones. Yeah, some of the pieces on this are silkscreen. The, uh, the Octane stickers are stickers, but... There's a little terminal computer on the side where there's where the oh, yeah. uh, the tanker hoses would connect to, and that's a silk screened piece. That's that's pretty cool. That's yeah, way and, cool. And by the way, I do not know who put these stickers on because they are straight. So <laughs> it wasn't me. It had to have been you. Maybe you know, should, maybe when you were younger, you were just a little more. Patient. I was better, and it's it's just gone all downhill from yeah. there. Uh, you no, can look I, at all of my cars. The, the, they are not straight. Well, because it's the most impossible thing in the world. That's why I hate the stickers. Just because it's that pressure. You built the car right, but then you put the sticker on sideways. You're just like, oh, it's ruined. Yeah. Yeah. We we covered a couple ways to to do it. Uh, Toothpicks, tweezers, razor blade. Yeah. It's still tough. You know, it's like, God help you if somebody walks by and creates a breeze and then it goes, (laughs) it folds over on itself. I love Uh, the little little minifig's super cool too. He's got his little. There's a little Octane logo. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's an Octane logo guy driving. Yeah, and I do I do remember this kit. This it's yeah. really not. Yeah. yeah, that's super awesome. This this sitting on the shelf created such a desirability in in a young boy that was me. I mean, it, that was the magic of Lego. They could all do that. I remember begging begging my grandma to buy me a uh, a train set. Which she eventually did for Christmas. So thanks, Grandma. Do you but, still have it? But no, uh-uh. oh. <laughs> I th- we have a train set that my nephews now use, and uh, they get to enjoy it. But yeah, you just look at it and you think possibilities mm-hmm. with this thing. When we talked about, you know, Matthew and I have talked about not necessarily the kits themselves because the kits are really really cool, but just that bag of stuff that could be anything you wanted it to be. Yep. Right. You just have this bin of things and. You literally want to make a, I don't know, your your imagination says, I want to make a spaceship. You make a spaceship. It says, I want to make a truck. You make a truck. Like If you had most of the pieces, you could make it work. Yeah. My wife and I, when we were dating, she had a small Lego set that she had for her niece when her niece would come visit her. And so somehow it ended up, I ended up coming across it and we started playing with it. And it's it was weird, but I went for all the wheels and axles. Yeah. I wanted to build cars. She went for all the windows and doors. She wanted to build houses. And it's still that way today. Like when we play with Legos and we just have all the bulk bricks just dumped out on the floor or right. on the table. Same thing. I go for something. I want to build a car. She wants to build a house. We've kind of merged our interests and we started building RVs and trailers. Oh, nice. <laughs> and stuff like that. So it, it is, and again, it, it, we've talked about this before. It's just, it's that relaxation kind of process where you're yeah. just playing around and, and maybe it's that what feels like a 20 minute hunt for that brick that you're looking for that's right in front of you but you can't find it but then when you do you're like all right that's perfect i I have this and it's just that that sense of accomplishment yeah and it stokes the imagination and you know as a as a kid getting that dump of dopamine in your (laughs) right your brain for the first time yeah there there was a a year for christmas where like my brother and i were both kind of beyond we thought we were beyond the lego phase and so we asked for different toys on our christmas list and so i was going to go more advanced so i went for i asked for an erector set for christmas <gasps> i'm so glad you just brought up erector set i'm sorry and, that was that was me getting stupidly excited and my brother asked for connects which was a that's new not toy cool connects aren't cool man <laughs> yes so he un- opens his connect set and he's building a windmill that stands like three and a half, four feet tall, and it's spinning windmill with gears yeah. and all stuff. And in that same two hours that it took him to build that, I had barely assembled one seat in a race car erector set. Yeah, because erector so set was like building pissed. a real car. Yeah, there it were was, nuts and bolts and yeah, motors. Like It's 
A Raptor sets were BA. Things modern kids should not have. Sharp metal objects. A Raptor sets were, and I loved, they were not finished. You were going to get cut. Okay. There were nuts and bolts and tools. And like, they were, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember getting Erector sets and they were second only to my Star Wars toys. For me though, yeah. I was I, I loved the idea of building them. I hated how tedious the building process was. It was a crane. Yeah. Yeah. I had a crane. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had that thing. And it was miserable to your point. But it was so miserable because in my mind it was real. Yeah. I think for me it was watching my brother in the same amount of time build this massive thing and he's playing with it and I'm still trying to build the goddamn Yeah, seat. but connects are still dumb. I agree. Today. I'm on, yes. I'm on Today, Team yeah. Ryan with this. Yeah. The, I don't, I mean, I, I've i never owned Connects. I never got it. Connects are basically glorified. Uh, no, I had friends that had them. Pickups. Yeah. I, I had friends that <laughs> had them. They were yeah. stupid. Connects? They were Those, that was that point in life where a Rector set felt big kid and right. Connects felt baby. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was a little to bit. wean you off bit. of Duplo, basically. Yeah. I mean, there was still that, that's where that divide was. And I was on that other side of the divide. But I'll, oh man, we could have a whole six episodes well, of Star up, Wars toys and, and only, what toys meant what. But so growing up, I only had that one Erector set. Like it was so much of a You challenge. never asked for another one again. Exactly. But the funny thing is, <laughs> I'm completely mechanical. I love right. building stuff with my hands, but something about the tediousness of that process killed it for me. Yeah. Whereas when I'm doing like Lego and I'm building engines with moving pistons and all stuff, I don't have that same dissatisfaction. And I don't know if it's the assembly process difference. It's because when you're done with an Erector set, all you have is scaffolding. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me started on connects because even in a complete set the connects it's, doesn't look anything like it was supposed air. to yeah. Yeah. it was mostly air, air. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a bag of chips that's not Pringles well, you know, I, they, look, they look like <laughs> <laughs> they look like the object as much as you know a constellation looks like Orion, a bear. Yeah, right. You know, you're like, oh yeah, I do see it, honey. What is that? A rocket ship? Like, no, that's the Eiffel Tower. You're like, yeah, it just isn't. Well, I think having having a Rector set. If I didn't have those, I would never have had the patience to build my RC10 kit. True. Right. Because I mean, an RC10 was. So for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about. Team Associated RC10 was a remote control buggy and they came in two versions. You could get one built or you could get the kit. And anybody that was a, a real RC hobbyist, hobbyist right, was would get would get the kit. Yeah. And it took me weeks to put this thing together because I was so precise. Because it was legit. And, oh, it was real. It was a functional and, thing. And taking every like ball joint and making them the right measurements and like all of that, getting the alignment right. Like it took a lot of time, but without an erector set, I wouldn't have been prepared. You spent weeks building it and then 30 seconds ramming it into the curb and Smashed fucking it all. It. No, actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually got a lot of time out of my RC10. It was when I went to gas that stuff never lasted yeah did you ever go to one of these dirt parks that they had set up all over the place yeah so i used to actually go uh to the rc way raceway the orange orange county rc raceway where it was in fountain valley we used to go once twice a week yeah my dad would take me it was great they were everywhere yeah people had these things you know you finish this two week two month project and it's bone stock at the end of it let's be real oh yeah and then someone with this you know like reedy 10 or whatever special engine shows up and you're like (laughs) oh my gosh and that's when things started to get real expensive i always wanted when the rc10t came out and wanted one of those i think um for me and we should real quick. I don't know if you were in RC cars when you were younger. Yeah, I went all electric though. I never had anything super crazy Which, like gas powered. That's fine. The I can pinpoint my RC car addiction, and I blame it on my uncle. My uncle Brad bought a frog. Was it a frog? Let's say it was a frog. It was. It was one of the early Tamiya buggies, and let me drive it, and it was over. I was yeah. like, I this is amazing, and yeah. now I need more of these and so i got at an rc10 i convinced my dad to get me an rc10 with the aluminum chassis the gold anodized aluminum chassis i got that car and then i wanted the when they came out with the carbon chassis i wanted that so bad never got it glad i didn't had friends that got it and it would just shatter it wasn't great carbon right well, way back when it was probably carbon graphite which is like in the early right. stages and it, they would just snap and so R&D. yeah yeah from there um the rc10t came out which was the truck version and I always wanted the RC10T, never got it, and then moved away for a long time. Yeah, it's kind of faded out. I've seen uh, the latest trend is kind of like drifters. 
Like yes. they have these like four wheel drive drifting. Like, my son okay. has one from HPI. RC oh, okay. cars. HPI makes a good product. They're great fun to watch. I mean, you get them racing and it's like legit. Yeah, that's not my. But, does he? Does no. he? Use, does Grayson use it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got a. What what started was uh, my son was at a very early age exposed to Ken Block, and yep. so he became a big fan of Jim Connor and drifting. At the time, Ken Block had a Hot Wheels licensing agreement, so yeah. there was a couple of Hot Wheels like uh, Ken Block Fiestas. But there was also a Fiesta Hot Wheels branded remote control car. And basically it had a a third wheel like underneath right. in the middle that was the drive wheel. So that's what could make it go sideways and stuff. And it was a Do total... you mean a fifth wheel? A fifth wheel, yeah. There you go. Well, but you there say was only, fifth wheel and people get the wheel, wrong impression. But only three wheels were in contact with the ground. So, the, so oh, it was a trike. Okay. It was yeah, actually a tricycle. Got yeah. it. But it had four wheels, but... The two wheels weren't touching the ground, so that's how it could do the drifts and the oh, slides. Okay. So we had bought that, and we I thought I had hit it in the garage well enough. He found it. And so months before Christmas, he was playing with it. That was his first RC car. And since then, we, we got into the really cheap, inexpensive, they're USB rechargeable RC cars that you can pick up like a Target for like 20, 25 bucks. It's oh, yeah, 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 yep. So he has a bunch of those, and he likes them because they're real cars. So mm-hmm. he's got a Supra. He's got a 240. He's got actual uh, vehicles that he can identify with. And then for his first birthday, or his fifth birthday, we bought him an HPI drift car. Oh, cool. And that was because he went to the Hoonigan Donut Shop grand opening. Right. I was on a, a flight to Frankfurt for the motor show, and my wife, the, uh, the saint that she was, agreed to take him to Long Beach so he had a chance of meeting Ken Block. And HPI had a booth or a display outside with a little drift track. And the guys there were totally cool with letting a little five-year-old or soon-to-be five-year-old playing with it the whole time. We ended up getting him one. And so he's just drift crazy. So he actually sets up. He has little miniature cones, and he can slide it around. Oh, that's and, cool. <laughs> and he can he can do uh, wall rubs and stuff like that. And he's he's quite good at it. I don't know. I'm going to, I guess Christmas is coming up by the time this episode airs. So I'm going to really quickly transition to something different. Um, I found, I don't know if you guys do advent calendars at all, but there's a lot of, you know, the traditional advent calendar, your little chocolate, oh, yeah. the whole deal. So for years, uh, I've not years, but usually over the last, let's say four or five years, I buy that Lego does a star Wars advent calendar. Yes. I didn't get it this year. Kind of bummed, but I did find something cool. I found a Hot Wheels advent calendar that I got for my nephew. That's cool. Is this a car a day? A car a day. So if you're looking for uh, a pretty cool deal, I think it was 18 bucks on on Amazon, something like that. Totally worth it. I bought an advent calendar today too for the dog. Um, Trader Joe's. (laughs) I'm going to need more on this. Like a treat a day? Yes. Every year I, I buy advent calendars for my, my coworkers. Yep. So I drop 50 bucks and get 50 advent calendars. And so we were at Trader Joe's doing some grocery shopping earlier today. And my wife picked those up for her coworkers. And then she saw the dog advent calendar. And so we got one for the dog. Oh, that's pretty funny. I wouldn't even have thought of that. You know yeah. what? He's going to think, you know, wow, I'm getting something every day. And then one random day. He's going to be like, where's my it just toy? Stops. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know Christmas. He doesn't understand 25. Yeah, yeah. No. Explaining, explaining the whole story how it came to me. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of random. But the advent calendar thing is, is pretty cool. I've done the Lego advent calendar yep. in years past. Not the Star Wars set. I guess they consider it the holiday set. Yeah, yeah. So you build like a smaller snowman. And my favorite one is just, it seems every year there's always a minifig Santa. Oh, that's cool. And so that's always kind of cool. I, oh God, even saying this out loud. This is, this is a lot of what I do. Say things out loud, I probably shouldn't. I've never actually opened one of the advent calendars. Meaning like you've never that received one? Given? No, the Star Wars ones. I buy them and I put them away. Because uh, you're saving them for... I don't know why. Value? I don't know. Are you just scared Hayden Christensen's going to be in one of those? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't have a good explanation for this. All right. Yeah. You know what? You bought them. You do whatever you want. No, I did. I did buy them. And I will do whatever I want. Thank you very it's much. It's not a shame. It's a little shameful. It's a little shameful. Yeah, it's it a is. a box. Shut up. <laughs> not just a box. It's a... It's just a box. And on that note, uh, I think we need a break. 
All right, so we just went on a really quick break. Every once in a while, we have to do that, and we are back now. And we just wanted to remind everybody to stick with Ungrownups, because I promise you after episode 26, this gets really good. With that said, we're going to crack on, and uh, I think we want to talk a little bit about travel with you, Kevin. I know you uh, you enjoy travel. You've been kind of talking about overlanding and some other stuff. So there's kind of this sense of, you know, certain places, I think, have more sense of adventure. Like, you go to Palm Springs, and, yeah, you ride the tram, and it's a place to go and it's a vacation. But going to a place that truly is interesting and truly is different is a thing that not a lot of people do and you've been probably to a couple places so you want to share with us kind of where you've been what you what intrigued you about it yeah so um the latest kind of big road trip my wife and i went on was uh we were living in seattle and we decided we wanted to see more of the national parks in the u.s Uh, we're both huge national park fans they've got a lot of scenery up there we decided to take a road trip in uh, our company car, which was a Mazda CX-9, two-wheel drive, by the way, from Seattle. I like that detail. That's irrelevant. (laughs) It's a two-wheel drive. It'll become relevant later on uh, because no one likes to buy two-wheel drive in the Pacific Northwest. So back to my story. Uh, We wanted to hit up uh, seven national parks or monuments over this trip. So uh, the route went from Seattle to Craters of the Moon in Idaho, uh, down to Yellowstone, up through uh, Glacier National Park, uh, the Canadian version of Glacier National Park. I forget what it's called, Camp Loops or something like that. Canadian National Park. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's it's gl- literally gla- Glacial National Park. It, it is Glacier National Park, yeah. Uh, Banff, back through Revelstoke, Vancouver, and then down through, um, what's, that, what's that park north of Seattle, but south of the Canadian border? The park. Uh, it's one remember. of those national parks yeah, 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 yeah. something national what, park. but you're i mean just the the little loop that you just described i've done a very similar one and mount baker that's what it is. oh yeah okay. okay what's cool about that whole thing is that like that, that part of the country you can get to all of that fairly easily is pretty amazing well because there's highways True. What, what do you mean by fairly easy because the weather isn't atrocious well if you go in the winter but at any other part i'm just saying any part of the year I mean, you can do that many national parks and that many you know you can cross into canada and do all this really cool stuff yeah. fairly easily in that part of the world that's all i meant right yeah. okay so yeah it was, a, it was a couple thousand miles we had a rooftop tent and that was going to be our home for most of the stays we did stay in a hotel twice but otherwise the rooftop tent shoot paid for itself so uh, you put a rooftop tent on a cx9 yeah What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with <laughs> it. I just asked a question. You know, they've been since popularized and uh, we got looks wherever we went. We got people asking about us. So it was a really cool, They're pretty cool way now. to meet people. Yeah. Um, it's like a Not fort. the CX-9, the rooftop tent. It's like a fort on top of your car. It's very ungrown up. You I, appreciate it. Well, you, you know, talking about, I'll digress really quick, talking about overlanding earlier and stuff. Like, So I've got the Colorado, or the, as I like to call it, the Colorado. And uh, <laughs> I, hey... <laughs> We got to have something, right? You should put that on a license plate. Oh, God, I'm not going to do it. Uh, But I've thought about, do you know, the lease is up in May. Do I keep it and build an overlanding rig? And if I do, it would get a rooftop tent and then I'll just put a Joe hauler on for the motorcycle. But I'm a big fan. I I think it's a great way to go with the rooftop tent. Adding it to the top of an SUV kind of sucks because now you're just that much taller. The nice thing about a truck. Yeah, you you can kind of. You can get a, a short rack and lose part of the bed. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, down, downside to putting it on a truck is you... I, I suppose you can get a shell and put it on top of that, but then it becomes Same issue. like a little a little taller. Right. If you get the, the short rack, um, that's totally fine. I mean, you do lose all your rear visibility through the rearview mirror when you lose the bed you lose a lot of the bed which you is do. which is okay so. yeah so get a rooftop tent all right no, for- <laughs> i'm sold yeah we in- we now endorse rooftop tents uh, uh if you're single just sleep in the back of the suv or the truck but yeah, then air mattress fold the seats down and i'll divulge on one piece of the journey here that uh, kind of ties us all together so we were going from yellowstone national park in montana to glacier national park in the top end of montana oh. uh but it's still like a seven hour drive it was tornado like weather on the way up could not see a thing snowing hailing the whole nine you know people were pulling over putting on their flashers we were going 25 miles an hour at most which is a shame because there's actually no speed limit long day long hard day just miserable we get to the koa campground just outside of glacier Um, i have beef with koa but continue (laughs) it was it was one of those good ones they had a combination of you know hookup or ground tent or my, my camper van is what my, we had to my classify. KOA beef is that if you're just in a tent screw them as you talk about it so now we'll another uh, another yeah add them to the list so my beef with KOA is that I've tried to stay at a couple of them and all I need is tent space and they want 35 40 bucks for a tent space that's ridiculous yeah they're a little pricey but that's all I'm saying you know you get you, you get what you get with KOA. I don't need a general store I just need to put my tent and anyhow so we get we get to the campsite and uh you know these are all like luxury things for the for the fifth wheels and the motorhomes and then you got to go down into this 
gully for ground camping or campers, which is what ours classified us over there with all the Westphalias and, you know, all the 10 person ground tents. It was flooded. It was freaking like up to the lug nuts in water. The people in the campsite next to us were like shoveling buckets out of their tent. Like it was a a sinking raft. So that was just that moment where you're like, nothing about this sounds fun. Really glad to be off the ground right now. Off the ground, but also... I mean, it was it was it dirt or was it a pad? Like, if it's not a road, you're in trouble, anyways. It, so it was a fire road down to the scum class section where, yeah. the, where the ground tent. <laughs> Third, you're in steerage. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're in a camper, they escort you to your your slip or whatever. And they're like, no, camper down and over. So it was just it was just a moment where you're soaking wet. Nothing is going your way. You can't you can't cook because it, it's raining too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just nice to have a good dry place off the ground. So that kind of made the day. I would have been tempted just to keep driving and go somewhere else. Well, there's nowhere else to go. It was like 6 p.m. You know, we had a reservation. Every, so yeah. during the summer, every national park now is just flat out yeah. booked. Um, Yellowstone was insane last time I was there. But, you know, it's it was raining everywhere. All right. So uh, what was your favorite part of that trip? Or what's the so, most memorable place that you visited, I guess? And what made it special? Probably Glacier National Park. I had been to Banff before. Uh, Banff is epic national park. But I did like the American side of Glacier National Park. You do have to hike to a lot of them now. Uh, but there is one that you can drive up to. There's essentially a single road that goes through the entire park. And it's it's just an epic drive. It's one of those, you, you know, you're on the edge of a carved out road on a cliff. There's tons of Harley bikers going yeah. through this and everything. Scenery is epic because you can see the entire scape of like an eight thousand foot mountain you can see the the base to the top and it's just right there i've ridden up that road and it's it's amazing that whole area banff is incredible lake louise is incredible um glacier national park both sides of the border absolutely beautiful um kevin it's been awesome to have you thank you for coming yeah absolutely and hopefully uh you know maybe we'll bring you back we have no idea if this is even gonna last this is we'll bring you back for episode 26 The reckoning. Yeah. Uh, if if this doesn't get better by episode 26, I apologize to all of you, but let's be honest. No, you don't need to do that. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is fantastic. We're having fun, and as long as uh, at least one other person is, it's been all worth it. So, Kevin, again, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Matthew, nice to see you again, and uh, goodbye. You've been listening to the Ungrown Ups Podcast, and for this, we apologize.